This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm joined as always by the trooper, David Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling uh, still feeling fresh or um, something like that? Mate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope I hope I get a lot of uh, a lot of respect and credit for yeah, remaining objective definitely. throughout this very tough podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, we're obviously going to address the Merseyside derby uh, for most of the podcast, I assume. But you know, we'll see where we go. Then we'll talk about. Little, little look ahead to Bournemouth and if we have time Salzburg but uh, you know just regarding the derby I don't really know where to start um, I think it's safe to say that it escalated quite quickly oh, mad where he got out of, out of hand fast mm. Anchorman quote that in case you weren't aware <laughs> but uh, you know just general thoughts like you know from from a distance without delving particularly deeper on, on how the match went yeah Um I'd say from the team announcement onwards, really, it was it was a bit of a a bizarre kind of yeah, it was. Uh, path that we went down, and yeah, I I was I'm I'm really conscious of not going in too much on Everton because we'll do that elsewhere. I'd, I'd rather talk about how good Liverpool were to an extent. Obviously, we'll have to touch on Everton at some point, but yeah, um, I think the way Everton set up just made it so easy for Liverpool to just build a command and lead but then Liverpool just let them back in a couple times which you know just kind of kept the game it was like always comfortable for Liverpool but yeah it was on the cusp of maybe being uncomfortable in moments it was it was just a strange night wasn't it <laughs> it was mad yeah I mean I, I obviously anticipated a relatively cagey match um, that very quickly went out the window when A the teams were announced and B, Everton obviously opted to employ a high line, which we will get to. But you know, firstly on those teams, uh, what was your what was your stance on that? Because I, I was personally very surprised. I mean, yeah. when you look back, it actually turns out that this exact game week last year, we faced Burnley away, and Klopp made a host of changes. Then mm. I think Salah was left on the bench. Firmino might have even been. I'm not sure. And we started up front with Origi and Daniel Sturridge. I think. Mm. We still ended up winning the game, just... Long-term um, planning, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think Klopp tends to use this game week as almost a, re- a refresher sort of thing. Um, yeah. But to do it in the Merseyside derby, you just thought it was a big risk. He brought players in that literally haven't played a minute. Shaqiri hasn't played a minute. Obviously, he brought Shaqiri in. played 15 competitive minutes this season, which is it's not a lot, really. Yeah, but I thought it was very risky. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I will say is, I agree totally... But I did like, from a Liverpool perspective, how the back line remained untouched. It was almost as if the solid foundations remained and it was everything ahead of that, yeah. where there was a little bit more of a, an unknown to it. Um, but they always had the solid defence to fall back on. Um, but you know, some of the players who come in, they were definitely risks, but Origi, for example, just seems to always do it big games. He seems to enjoy the derby, obviously. I don't just mean the goal he got last year. You know, he scored a few against Everton. But the thing is, you're saying that there about he obviously, obviously enjoyed the derby last year. I think anyone who's played football, if you if you come up against a team that you've got 
good memories against basically if you played well against them before. I think you are inclined to carry that into the next match. Got confidence in it. Yeah, yeah. like Salah in particular seems to always do very well against Bournemouth, which we'll get to. Yeah. Suarez used to do very well against Norwich. Yeah. Um, little things like that. And I think maybe, you know, consider more clubs like with emotion and all things like that. Maybe he's considered that. No, it is. It's a really good point. And you're sadly, mate, going to hear me say this a million times in different places because it's something I've been thinking about a lot. But, you know, since we've started working in football, I know we've, we've, we've had a passion for it and we've worked sort of in it over the years, but now we've been in it for a decent amount of time, full time. On top of everything that we do, the analysis, the looking at the underlying numbers, everything like that, aside from that, one of the biggest things I've learned is just how important the psychological aspect is of, of the game, especially yeah. at this level. And... It's overlooked as well, I think. Yeah, it is big. I overlooked it, to be honest. I overlooked it. But little things like that are huge. It's one of the reasons why I think Liverpool's so good because they've got a manager like Klopp in place. And, um, I think yeah. I think particularly those in the analysis field, those that are inclined to look at tactics or, or stats and numbers mm. are likely to overlook Definitely. You know the whole concept of a dressing room mentality. But yeah. it certainly exists for oh, me. It's massive, mate. Yeah, it's massive. And... That's why I just wanted to flag that when you were saying about Origi, you know, it, it's, 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 well, I imagine if we're thinking it, then Klopp definitely would have, would have thought it. Um, but then even players like Shakiri coming in, you know, he, he just hasn't been playing, has he? And he's, he, I imagine he's been <coughs> eager to get in the side, knowing he, he, he's, he's been brought in in a big game. Obviously, it was around this time last year he played, he, he had a big part in another big game, United at Anfield, where he scored two goals. And again, I wonder if he was thinking, oh, this is going to be my moment again here, because he played well. Yeah, I mean, last season, I think he started at Anfield against Everton once more. Mm. 4-2-3-1, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, he's faced, he's faced Everton at Anfield before. Um, Klopp obviously brought in Rigi, as you said. He brought in Milner and he brought in Adam Lallana as, as a number 10. Well, not number 10. Well, yeah, yeah, number 10. 4 2 3 one he switched to. A um, little bit of a different formation than usual, and you know, I, I was a little bit mindful be- before, and just you know, maybe you can look a little bit disjointed. Considering we obviously mentioned last week about Everton's tendency to face very few shots, do you want to bring in a slightly dysfunctional attack against mm. a team that's relatively good defensively on the whole, at least? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm just laughing because on paper. <laughs> That's right, and yeah. we called it like that, and I still stand by that. But hey, listen, I'm going to say now, we called it like that. How many f- shots did Everton face you in the game? Yeah, yeah, five. That that could have on another day been like a, a two two one three one win. Yeah, Everton still only faced five shots on the day, which is superb, and they conceded all five. <laughs> Which again, we'll probably get to the we'll probably get to that. Yeah, well, we talked about that, didn't we? We did say this last week, so yeah, you know, we're going to take a little bit of credit, I think. Yeah, so uh, you know, beyond beyond the lineups, I think for me, obviously a key talking point, Everton's high line. Is it usually that high? No, I think is a key question. No, I accept, and I've I've noticed that they try and implement a high line, but you know, if we use the most recent example before uh, Anfield, it was Leicester on Sunday, and it wasn't that high, and they have you know PC forwards as well, but. Compared to Liverpool, it was just, oh, you know what, Josh? It was just ludicrous. I couldn't believe he did it. You know, 
I made a joke, I put a tweet out yesterday saying, you know, have the opposition got fast forwards? Yeah. Have they got clinical strikers? Yeah. Right, okay. Have you got quick defenders? No. Have you got pressure on the ball ahead? No. Have you got a keeper who's good at sweeping? No. I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's, there's, there was no reason to play such a high line against a side like Liverpool. And yeah. fair play. I, I, I'm torn between whether Liverpool have even trained for this or we talk about how they adapt in game, whether they've just thought, we're getting in really easy behind here and just, we'll just start playing these balls over. No, because no. we say about Klopp, doesn't he, that he kind of, he, he wants his players to think themselves rather than just being solely reliant on the instructions of the coach. Yeah, but I, th- I think Liverpool have traditionally been really, really good under Klopp. If you play a high line against Liverpool, you're going to be in trouble probably. It reminded me a little bit of, um, I think it was Champions League quarter-final, Roma mm. at home. Um, they played a high line and they played a back three, I think. Um, and we just, time after time, ball over the top, Salah um, running in behind. And I, I think that, in fact, I actually think that match was 5-2. I think that match finished 5-2. Mm. And then we went to Rome and obviously managed to scrape through with a, with a one-goal a one goal aggregate lead. Oh, was that where Wijnaldum scored a goal on the night? An Anfield? No, it, uh, over in Rome. I think so, yeah. yeah. I'm not too sure. Yeah. I mean, plenty of players scored over there, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think um, to play a high line against Liverpool, Liverpool seem really equipped to cope with that. Mm. And whether that's just the players learning in match, Klopp drilling them beforehand, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly too sure, but it's just a massive risk. And I, I, we, we debated before, didn't we, that Perhaps Marco Silva, I mean, at the point of recording right now, he's still in the job. Yeah, not not has been announced just yet. But do you reckon there's the possibility that he just went into the match and thought, I'm going regardless here. Mm. I can just go for this. And if I get a win, I look like a genius. Mm. And the only way to get a win really is to go for it. Yeah. They ended up getting two goals out of it, I suppose, but yeah. they conceded five at the other end. But... <laughs> I, do, you, do you reckon he'd, he'd have used that approach if his job was absolutely safe and if this was maybe this time last season? You know, the only way I can put it in a relatable context for the likes of us and people listening or watching at home is, have you ever played, because this, this sounds funny, but bear with me, have you ever played football manager and you just can't get it right, your side's losing game <laughs> yeah. after game? So yeah. then you just... Decides to de- deploy a completely different formation and different yeah, tactics. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean there, yeah. And it changes absolutely nothing and it actually goes worse. I feel like Silva is at that stage in his in his Everton career where he doesn't really know what to do to change it. He's tried different things, it isn't working. He's going into a huge game. You know, let's just... Because on paper, it seems like a good idea. You know, keep a, keep a high line, you know, keep it fairly compact in the middle, make it hard for Liverpool. But in reality, it was just... Suicide. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll go into it a little bit deeper. Obviously, the reason it was suicide was because Everton played a relatively high line on the day, but didn't put pressure on Liverpool's centre-backs. Hmm. Now, usually, if you play a high defensive line, you, 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 you know, match that up with, with a high press. That's, that's what usually the two come together. The um, idea is, this is so basically, isn't it, that the defender can't get his head up. Yeah, no, you're keeping, yeah. keeping his head down, keeping him busy on the ball, so yeah, he can't because, just kind of pick a pass out. 
Yeah, because if you, you know if you play a high a high defensive line, the main weakness of that high defensive line is the space behind you. The reason you play the high defensive line is so that you can press, and hopefully your press um, prevents opposing players from playing over the top because they haven't got enough time and space to actually get the head up and execute a pass. But everyone were playing a higher line, and they were allowing the likes of Van Dijk and Lovren the ball. Um, and I've, I've showed you before inside one minute. One minute of football, Van Dyke plays a ball over the top to Robertson. Doesn't particularly come off, but it was a clear indicator of what Liverpool were going to plan on doing for the rest of the match. Mm. Um, they scored, I think, I'm not sure, Liverpool's, Liverpool's second or Liverpool's third through Rigi. The ball over the top from Lovren. Mm. Rigi takes it down with one touch and then lobs Pickford. Superb goal. Oh, yeah, it was, the, the first goal. touch was amazing and then to apply the finish, yeah. But... It's it stemmed from a Everton's high line and mm. b the fact that they used the high line without pressurizing the defenders, yeah, yeah. which is just um, well, it's just really weird. You know, he, you know, he got it wrong because he took Sadibi the right back off after about half an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, which says a lot, really. Yeah, um, but, but but kept the high lines. Yeah, that I know. yeah, um, I think yeah. I, at that point, I don't know what was going on. I don't think he even knew. He just knew that. Robertson was going to get in every single time and he had to change something. Yeah, but the, I mean, the thing is, from Everton's perspective, I suppose, the, the reason you're, you're torn between those different those different tactical things is because you're playing a high line, so the idea is to press. Mm. But then if you press the likes of Michael Keane and Yeri Mina, who can't really run, mm, no. have to move further away from the goal, and you've got Mane running in behind, so you've got even more space to cope with. So there's a risk, and I think Liverpool have always been really good at Opposing two tactical problems at once yeah. to an opposing team. If I was the um, if I was the Everton manager, I would have just sat in a low block yesterday for an hour and just seen how it <laughs> No, I yeah. would really and just focused on you know trying to transition into counter attacks because you know I I know how good Liverpool are and I mean this is what <laughs> this is what the professionals should be should be thinking but they weren't and as I said, I'm I'm just conscious of us being too critical of Everton and not complimenting Liverpool because as we've just touched on, they identified it and absolutely uh, made use of it, didn't they? Yeah, I mean one thing they certainly did identify, obviously a high line is a little bit trickier to predict before the match, but one thing they certainly identified was Everton's right hand side mm. being the weak point. Yeah. Um obviously Everton played a played a back five against Leicester. Yeah. And the back five was made up of Lucas Dean. This is from left to right. Lucas Dean, Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, Mason Holgate, Gibral Sidibi. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, on the left-hand side of Everton, you've got Lucas Dean, Mina, and Richarlison. Mm. Good players. Yeah. Then on Everton's right-hand side, you've got Holgate, you've got Sidibi, and you've got, I think, Iwobi. Decent players, but particularly Holgate. Yeah. Certainly a weakling for me. Yeah, that right, that that both really. As I said, Sadibi's good in attack. Yeah, but he's he's good at Leicester actually. Yeah, he's 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 certainly got question marks over him in terms of his defensive capabilities. Yeah, um, and yet he did. Liverpool was just superb, superb at exposing that that side. And the last left back you want to be bombing on behind you is Robinson. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I am writing a piece on it at the moment. It's it's half written and probably got later today or maybe tomorrow, and it's just on how Liverpool targeted Everton's right side of defence. Um, 
it, you know, it's got it's got Lovren's passing network in it, and lo- all of Lovren's passes are towards Holgate. Mm. It's got Van Dijk's passing network in it, and even though Van Dijk's a left-sided centre-back, rather than hitting his usual diagonal passes, he was hitting passes again towards Holgate. Mane mm. um, was unbelievable, which we will get to, but he played on Holgate's side. Yeah. So it was it was very very definitely a weakness that Liverpool identified in Everton, Everton's right side of the fence. That's where we're going to attack. And to be honest, Liverpool don't usually do that. You know, Liverpool don't usually pick a side and, and like uh, uh, really attack that relentlessly. Mm. It's quite uncharacteristic of Liverpool. Liverpool uh, usually, you know, particularly in Anfield, you know, um, that it's their responsibility to be just to us. We will yeah, play our game, sort of thing. Game, but this yeah. was really interesting. I thought. Different to usual. Yeah, I suppose it's um, it's wise though, isn't it? You know, they've they've adapted the tactics slightly. And I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's them from obviously if Firmino's not playing, if Salah's not playing, mm. you maybe have to win with the tactics a bit more. Yeah. than you do with the players. Yeah, to make shift sides, so to speak, certainly an attack, isn't it? So yeah, it's a good good theory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, despite that though, the, the match was wide open. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Salzburg actually the, yeah. the other week. Yeah. Uh, but the expected goals, and I should point out as well, we've, we've upgraded our expected goals. So this is now better quality XG. Mm. <laughs> More accurate. We um, hope anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Liverpool's XG on a day, 2.4, compared to Everton's 1.8. So not a great deal, in it? No. Uh, I will say that that doesn't consider Mane, Round and Jordan Pickford, and then not shooting. Yeah. Obviously, uh, XG is based on shots, and because Mane didn't shoot, which I'm inclined to think he would have done if it was nil nil. Yeah, but he just yeah, I don't know why. He just... You know, overthink it sometimes. Don't I, I think yeah. Mane is guilty of that. He, he can is. Overthink yeah. it when he's got too much time. Yeah. He's an instinct uh, player. Yeah, definitely. When it's too easy for him, I think yeah. he's prone to just kind of like almost foot off the gas a little yeah. bit, maybe. But um, yeah, on there it looks it looks fairly tight, but it it, it never felt that that tight. I don't think. I think there was one. I, mean, mo- on. I, sh- I was just going to say, I should say that Liverpool got 2.4 XG from, oh, by the way, when I said before, five shots, five shots on target, so mm. they should have, should have been clear, clear about that. But Liverpool got 2.4 XG from, from 11 shots. Liverpool usually post more shots than that. So again, that probably sticks with the theme of Everton. Mm. They don't concede many, they don't face many shots when you do. They're quite easy to yeah, score. Yeah, yeah. And, you just obviously at the moment, which we, we might touch on in a minute, but they've also got a keeper that isn't really pulling out sublime saves to keep them keep it keep them in the game in key moments. Yeah, I mean, we might as well move on to that. Um, Liverpool had eleven shots. Actually, got outshot on the day to Everton. Everton had twelve. <clears throat> um, but the five shots on Tiger for Liverpool all found the net. And, you know, we've talked in the past on this show about about goalkeepers, expected goals, underperforming, overperforming. Pickford's numbers are starting to look a bit concerning. Bad, yeah. I uh, He's been on my radar for a while, said to you that, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about him at some point, but there's been that much other stuff you can kind of pick holes in with Everton that it's, it hasn't been top of the list. But um, not even just from an Everton point of view, this is just a general football perspective of the kind of stuff we like to talk and write about. I've been wanting to look at him, and yeah, he, he, I found he's over the last 
18 months, he's been average at best anyway, but certainly this season, he's way below average. Well, I looked at last season, actually. I don't know if you checked last season. From la- from off the top of my head, I'm sure he was bang average last season. He was, yeah. He yeah. was very much an, another 18 yeah. that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I think he was expected to concede in all competitions last season, about 46. Yeah. And I think he conceded bang on 46. So not an above-average shot stopper, not a below-average shot stopper, just complete run-of-the-mill. Mm. But this season, it's dropped off a bit, hasn't it? And he's now... He's now performing below the average keeper, yeah. I think. He actually had the uh, the worst save percentage in the in the league for keepers who'd started five or more league games. Yeah. Have you got the expected figures? I, I've got them on top of my head, but I'm not sure whether you want to say them or not. Um, uh, not. I did have them somewhere. I oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got it, yeah. Um, I think based on expected goals against... 19.98 this so basically yeah. just have, 20 goals yeah should roughly. have conceded 20 yeah and he's conceded 27 yeah it's not great well especially when it's only been 15 games <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like yeah I mean that, that, is that league only though that'll be only league only as well oh, yeah. yeah so uh, that isn't even accounting any of the cup games where you know he conceded two against Lincoln and uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's not, <laughs> it's not good anyway <laughs> no it's not it's not um, certainly held Liverpool in the day what, um, did, what did you think about the goals that Liverpool conceded? Um, little bit sloppy. I mean, you mentioned, didn't we, about uh, headers? Yeah, yeah. Got a header. yeah that was, so, I, I must say that was one thing I was thinking I did flag that at least. But um, Yeah, so since the start of last season, Richarlison is now the th- only the third player in, in league competition to score a header against Liverpool. Mm. Not a diving header, albeit like. Yeah. Um, in fact, it wasn't even his head; it was his shoulder. Really, it was I think, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Well, well they he hasn't got much else to cling on to, so we'll give him the header. But um, yeah, it was. I'd but it, it was it was like that though in terms of Liverpool. It was. It, I felt as though it was a little bit like Everton fighting fire with fire. Mm. It was like we'll, we'll have a go then, but it was like. Um, I don't know, I'm can up against Anthony Joshua. <laughs> what were you, you thinking? You, yeah, no, I get it. What were you thinking at half-time? I was having this conversation. What was the, the score last time? So it was 4-2. Four 4-2 two. Four two at half-time. Was it? Yeah. It was 4-1, it? No, because Richardson scored right on the half. Well, let's have a look. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. So I was like, based on what I knew about Liverpool, I, I thought if they just go for it now, carry on, they, they can blow Everton away. But I, I was just thinking... Would Klopp potentially look to shut up shop like he has done other times this season? Um, and I suppose it was the latter, really, to an extent. Yeah, I do feel as though it, it felt for maybe the first 25 minutes of the second half that mm. he kind of did that. Yeah. Felt like nothing really happened. No. I'm just getting up the expected goals timeline of the match now just to see if Anton continued. Yeah, see, the second half is a lot less... It's an interesting timeline, isn't it? It's yeah, there's a lot very, less going on in the second half. And it's seems. very mirrored. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's what I mean. You have a go, we have a go, sort yeah. of thing. There was but, a moment, but, what I will say, is where it was 4-2 and Mane missed that chance or didn't take the shot. And then Keane gets put through in on goal. Yeah, that I was think a big was, moment. Yeah, if, you, if that goes in 4-3, 5 or 10 minutes to go, that could have changed the, the outcome of the game. Yeah, and I must, it was, I must it, say as well, he was a penalty shot as well. Yeah, I've tried to, you know what, I've tried not to dwell on that because I think it, it hasn't been given, so it is what it is. What I will say is, I, w- I did say that's something that Everton could have 
you know, enjoy getting those balls in, and they got through once, and it, it, it does. It looked. It looks like Calvert Lewin chokes it a little bit. Is that fair? To I say? did think it was a pen. Oh, it was a penalty. I yeah. thought it was a penalty. Yeah, oh, okay. uh, Van Dijk uncharacteristically couldn't get to the ball just before Calvert Lewin was going to shoot. So rather than accepting that, he kind of. I mean, Van Dijk's heavy anyway, as yeah. it is, and he, he kind of puts his weight on Calvert Lewin, shoves him a little bit, doesn't get anywhere near the ball. It majorly disrupts Calvert Lewin's striking of the ball. And it it was a pen for me, but for whatever reason it weren't given, and that that would have given you the opportunity to to take it to two two. Yeah, I still think Liverpool would have probably gone on to win just because yeah, it, agree, if yeah. you 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 got to be some team to actually, and you got to be brave and and bold and all that to go to Anfield and say to Liverpool like we are going to take you punch for punch, mm. and we're going to take our chances better than you are. It's just a big risk, hence why I finished five two. Yeah, I agree. It was a, as I said, it was just a. It must have been great for the neutral because it was a while, it was a wild game and there's there's so much that come out of it. But uh, if, you, if you think of the teams that have done that, that have came to Anfield and 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 with the approach of you know, you have a go, we have a go, they, they usually get battered. Mm. Like I'm thinking of Salzburg, even though that ended up four three. Yeah. Everton ended up five two. Norwich first game of the season four one. I think four that one, was. Yeah, it was um, yeah. City, I suppose you could say three one. Mm. You've got Liverpool are just really ruthless when you open up against them. Yeah. Uh, particularly, you know, move on to the next point there. You know, the, I thought the transition was Liverpool returned to the roots, I suppose, in terms of yeah, killing break, killing teams on the transition. But Mane, what you know, we Mane, right? Of of the three forwards that Liverpool have now, Mane is just he is to me is as close as you're going to get to unplayable at the moment. Yeah, like, and it was him that does all the work for Shakiri's goal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know. So he he drives with it, and I noticed against like Brighton, for example, players were trying to take him out, like foul him, and he was he was just bouncing off them and still coming away with the ball. He's just he's unplayable, and once again, I think he's now a player for Klopp where um, he will make changes, but he needs to be able to rely on certain players to not disrupt the whole flow, and obviously the defense. Was part of that and Mane as well. Play starting was integral and yeah, I think he was important on those on those counters. Yeah, I think I just think he's the, he's the ultimate Jurgen Klopp player. I think mm. just defensively really really good. Mm. Um, he he is the next point, so we might we might as yeah, well okay, move on yeah. to him anyway. I, I think he was absolutely outstanding yeah, on was, the day. Yeah. I think we are currently experiencing Sadio Mane's peak. Mm. I think this is his peak. I, I've not I've not seen him play to this level. I've not seen him play with this level of consistency. Um, having such an influence on results and score lines and things like that. Um, just absolutely complete. Um, I, I don't know. Just I mean, in 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 the past, he he was a, a little tiny bit more inconsistent. Maybe he obviously st- he still posts lower numbers than Salah in terms of at least like you know shots per match mm. and expected goals and things like that but I just think it's because he he's a bit more considered in his actions and mm, he's reached the point now where he's just so effective every time he's on the ball yeah. always making the right decision even if it is a risk doesn't give the ball away much even though he's an attacker Yeah, shoots in the right moments Once the, most of the times he shoots he scores or comes really close well, whereas when Salah shoots for example sometimes <laughs> yeah, the keeper can that. just pick it up 
I was just going to say exactly what you said. You know, if I think about Shakiri's goal, Mane cuts in, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, nine times out of ten, Salah's smashing that goal words and open to put it in himself. But the, um, you know, he, he lays off this very clever ball to Shakiri. You just didn't need to apply a finish. Yeah, I mean, it, you almost um, assume the role of, well, it, it, I saw someone say, has his role changed? No. His role is still very much the same. But with him being in the team without Firmino and without Salah, it seemed as though he almost took on the burden of creating for others, mm. which he doesn't usually do mm. as much, at least, as, as he did yesterday on the Jordan derby. Yeah. I'm just going to get up now how many shots he assisted during the game. But, you know, obviously he scored and he scored with his left foot. The first goal where he plays Rigi through and Rigi rounds Pickford. He assisted that with his left foot. But he's right-footed. Yeah. He's just a a complete all-round player with very, very, very few weaknesses. Yeah. Skilled. Yeah. Skilled player. He's, he's superb in the air, lightning quick. Not a big talker and like that. You know, he obviously didn't go to the Ballon d'Or Awards during the week, even though he finished fourth. And I, to be honest, knowing a bit about him, I think that was just because he, he's not particularly keen on the whole stardom thing. Yeah. I think he's just very, like... He's on the ground and yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's um, yeah, I totally. He, he does seem to be a very, a very quiet guy. Yeah, very grounded person. Yeah. But yeah, just a really superb player. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. One more shout I want to give out is Dejan Lovren. Thought he was very good. Doesn't particularly get the the credit that he that he deserves no. sometimes. No, I think he'll 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 always struggle to shake off that kind of um, I don't know tag that he has over him, where he's considered a little bit of a liability at times. Do you not actually? Do you not think he could have done better for the the Charleston goal? Uh, I'll have a look at it now. I'll I'll I'm fill not... the air. I'll fill <laughs> the air space while you do. Are we um, it's just when the ball comes in, I think he can he could potentially go for the header. And he kind of puts a bit of a leg out. It goes waist height, um, somewhere in between. It was awkward. Don't get me wrong. It was awkward, but I just wonder whether he could have got something on it. Um, maybe I'm being critical. I still think he's a he's a he's, he's been really good actually since he's come in. Yeah, I haven't missed massive, and massive's been a great player. Yeah, he's just he's just seemed really composed. Yeah, I know what you mean. He probably could have threw his head at that. Yeah, you. I don't know if you get a replay of it. Um, yeah, he could maybe get his head on it, but. But I think I think beyond that, you know, he was just really composed during the day. Just like a silver. And the, the cameras just panned to Silver's face, and he just looks like he's just been divorced or something. <laughs> Which he might, he will yeah, today, he yeah, on the verge of being divorced actually, yeah. Uh, but I just thought Lovin was really composed on the day, mm. very decisive. Obviously, got an assist on the day as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, he's in that piece that I mentioned in terms of just executing Liverpool's game plan in terms you of exploiting Evans, right? For me. There's less talking, isn't there? There seems to be less less of him in the media, less things getting said, and he just seems to be playing his football. Yeah, just business as usual yeah, business, sort of thing. Yeah, you know, how to kind of prove a point, but without having to vocally say his bit, he's just going out onto the pitch and performing well. Yeah, there was a, there was a word in the summer that Liverpool maybe will would have accepted £25 million for him. And, you know, we addressed it on this podcast, and I, say, I said, you know, from, from a business perspective and things like that, Recruitments, it does make a degree of sense considering his age. He's probably going to start regressing. Twenty five millions, a good, a good sum. Mm. You can get a replacement in for that and so and that sort of thing. But 
I think looking back now, I'm, I'm, I'm happy we didn't. Mm. I think because uh, he's still very, very capable of just doing an absolutely solid job, and he's not—he's not like a, a David Luiz or a Mustafi where he's got a mistake in him every game. Mm. It's not like yeah, that. He yeah. does—he does have a mistake in him, obviously, but I don't know. The older he seems to be getting, the fewer they're caring. How think, old is he now? Uh, I think he's thirty, maybe. Let's have a look. But um, yeah, I just thought he was very good on the day, very good in possession and things yeah, like that. Thirty, yeah, thirty so years old. It, it, that's probably. Would you argue that's a prime time for the central defender? Because you're not very heavy reliant on legs, are you? It. I suppose it depends. At Liverpool, maybe you are a little bit more so, just because of the the tempo of the game mm. and the fact that you're defending on the halfway line. But I don't know. Maybe I just think. He's got maybe one year left on his deal mm. after this season. Twenty-five million for a thirty-year-old. It just made a degree of sense, but his, his performances—I didn't think he'd play that a great deal of minutes. I thought Joe Gomez would be firmly third choice, mm. but he's looked a bit up and down. So Lovins mm. came in, and he's 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 shown no reason to be to be dropped. I didn't like that. Yeah, no fair. Yeah, totally agree, mate. So, uh, yeah, five two. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <it was laughs> what, what are you thinking for the uh, the cup game? Um, play the kids. Yeah, I think you've got a free pass. To be honest, that depends how Klopp how important Klopp perceives perceives the derby and mm. bragging rights and things like that. But the way Liverpool have have operated in the domestic cups, it's all about like economic use of resources, isn't it? And Liverpool might as well put all their valuable resources towards the the competitions that essentially matter as opposed to the compositions that count as silverware but you don't really get much much media publicity over it you don't really get much winnings long term perks it's just a cup isn't it yeah um, I don't know you know I, I get it and maybe it, this is a, from the other side of the fence I still feel like we went to an FA Cup game though I just feel like everybody does a derby game that is no, it's against someone else. But when it's the FA Cup derbies, people always seem to really be up for it. I think it's the whole... I heard Carragher doing an interview earlier this week um, and he was talking about the Cup game and he was like, it just it just has that whole thing of not only you progressing, but you knocking out your <laughs> opponents. Yeah. And he was talking about how he... When Liverpool got to the Champions League semi... Uh, Champions League final, I assume it was the 7 one. And he was like, he was made up to it there, but he was just so happy to knock knock Chelsea out and he talked about the FA Cup semi-final where Liverpool beat Everton in 2012 and he was like I knew I weren't going to play in the final because I was getting phased out of the side at the time but the, just with it being the cup game and knowing you've knocked out your rivals like it just it, it felt like the final to me <laughs> I just wonder whether there's any of those players in there that might just be thinking something similar we'll see anyway yeah I know what you mean but I yeah. think I think considering it's Technically, our first round, mm. um, bigger fish to fry as well. Yeah, and and you know, Klopp is obviously less emotionally invested in the fixture. He's more able to step back and think it's just an FA Cup third round. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know whether he'll do that. As I said, it depends how important he perceives a derby to be. Yeah, but I am inclined to think we'll just play a second string team, and if we win, we win. If we don't move on. Yeah, Arsenal type fixture from uh, a few weeks ago in the League Cup. Maybe a bit stronger than that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure. See how we go. Uh, yeah. We'll move on anyway to the upcoming match with Bournemouth. Liverpool tend to do really well against these. Yeah. 
you know, it's weird. If it wasn't Bournemouth, I'd say this game is going to be a poten- potential banana skin. And I guess it do- it might be to an extent in that they really need a win, actually. Like, people are finally asking questions of Eddie Howe, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but Liverpool, as you said, just seems to dominate the fixture. I mean, just to provide a bit of context on that, the past four fixtures against Bournemouth in the league... 3-0, 4 0 3-0, 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> that bodes quite well, doesn't it? Yeah, really, I mean. Yeah, it looks good for Liverpool, that definitely. Yeah, I think we've, we've got a little bit of a bad pass with them away in terms of they ended up winning a mad match a couple of years ago, 4 3. Oh, Nathan Ahirskin, I think, minute, scored the yeah. last minute goal. Yeah. And I think a year later, or a year or two later or so, um, we led 2 0, I think. In fact, no, we, we ended up drawing two all with them, having conceded an 87th-minute equaliser. So we had that attached to it, a bit like we had at Palace, I suppose. Mm. But we've certainly overcame that, and mm. I think those that have kept records since Klopp has been appointed at Liverpool. I think the uh, Bournemouth are deemed as Klopp's favourite opponents, basically, in terms of we always score yeah. plenty against them. Mm. I think, you know, even when we did lose 4-3, we scored three. Yeah. Even when we drew two all, we scored two. There's always goals. For yeah, we always seem to score at least two, usually three, sometimes four against Bournemouth. They're obviously not in the best of form no, either. No, they're not. They don't look a good side at all at the moment. I mean, they do this, don't they, with how, but I think this time people start to think, you know, how long is this going to go on for? You know, can't just keep doing this all the time. Yeah. I mean, I suppose... You know, from an Everton perspective, Howe's relatively in the frame, isn't he, for, for, for the job of silver gold? What would, you, what would be your thoughts on that one? Mm, yeah, not, ke- not, not keen. No, not for I me. wouldn't be either. No, I, uh, I don't, I don't see enough from his side. You know, I think he's at his level. Yeah, same. I do. I think tactically he's not great, which we'll probably touch on in a bit. I think he's kind of bought players who have cost a fair bit of money but haven't necessarily improved the side. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a, he's a hero. I imagine at um, at Liverpool for the for the money that he's bought for you know paid <laughs> yeah. for some players that Liverpool have had like Sir, <laughs> Solanke and stuff. How much did he pay 20 mil for Solanke? Yeah, they've got Harry Wilson on loan at the minute. Harry Wilson, yeah. Obviously, that, well, obviously I don't think good. he can play actually. Yeah. Um so yeah, he's uh, certainly wouldn't like to see him any higher than Bournemouth. I think he talks a good game, doesn't he? Mm. I, I'm not saying he's a blagger, but I, I just think the way he comes across in the media, he looks yeah. really competent, really. He looks like he's he's able to take a step up, but if you look at his actual results, his actual performances, I just think he's he's okay, he's fine. That's it, really. Um, I don't he's, think he's, he's a Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just to elaborate on Bournemouth's current form, they've lost the last four matches since since beating Manchester United. Um, failed to score in 70 minutes on m- midweek against Crystal Palace with Crystal Palace having, you know, 10 men for 70 minutes, which mm. never, ever a good sign. Terrible sign when a team can't adapt and adjust accordingly against 10 men. Yeah, just... Really, I hate that. Yeah, you've just got to find ways to unlock it, unlock the defence. And not only to, not like, draw the games, actually go on and lose it. I think... When, when, when a team get a man sent off, that is your opportunity to then play absolutely your game. Mm. Play the, the game you're absolutely working towards. Yeah, the, what, what you practice every day in training. Yeah, hence 
you know, Leicester's end goal, I suppose, under Rodgers, if he's given everything, is the performance that was exhibited against Southampton in the 9-0. Mm. Because he got a man sent off, and from from the minute that the man was sent off, sent off Leicester just controlled the ball, attacked, attacked, attacked. Whenever the ball was lost, they just pressed in packs. Mm. And that's the game, Rodgers, is, that's his end goal. Yeah. Bournemouth to not score in 17 minutes against Palace. Did you touch on, I don't know, did you touch on the XG of Bournemouth from that game? No. Yeah, I can't, I I, I can't remember what I, told, what I said it was. Now I'm sure it was like it was, 0.28 or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was between 0.2 and 0.4. Which is, you know, it's not, even, yeah, it's not even like they were peppering the goal and just really unlucky on the night. It was shocking. Yeah. Um, just delving a little bit deeper in terms of their actual numbers. Just to get a gauge on what Bournemouth are, if, you, if you've never watched them, I suppose. Um, quite funny, actually, because the, the 13th for expected goals. 13th for expected goals against. 13th for shots. 16th for shots faced. So, that's very much... I think that, that gives you an, an accurate gauge, really, on what yeah. they are. They're OK, middle, slightly worse than mid-table attacking mm-hmm. team, maybe. Um and a little bit worse on the defensive side, perhaps in terms yeah. of being 16th for shots faced. But the, the type of team I think you want to face. Yeah, I do, yeah. I I can't see what his tactic's going to be. See, right now it seems to be a bit of a kind of sit back, soak up, and see what happens on the counter-type approach. And <laughs> it's, it's just a little bit, yeah, it's, it's a little bit neither here nor there. So, yeah, I think... I'd actually say is them is them more perfect opponents. Like maybe you'd have them at Anfield, but I can't think of anyone else you'd rather um, play the moments. No, I mean there's, there's always Norwich you can throw in there, I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but I don't we, think they're that different. They were famous last week. a couple of weeks ago for us. Yeah, for for the Everton pod. Yeah, yeah. but I don't I don't think Bournemouth are, are that different anyway. They're just a, as I said, an, an okay, a nice team. Mm. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they conceded two goals in Spurs from. Well, pitched pitched a lot the Lovren goal against mm. it, the Lovren goal, the Rigi goal against Devon. That Lovren sets up with the ball over the top. Mm. Rigi ends up lobbing Pickford. Spurs scored two against Bournemouth. Deli Ali got both of them. Exactly like that. Bournemouth just sets up in the defence and just one split pass opened them up twice. Deli Ali scored twice. Mm. So maybe that's something to watch for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I think Mane makes those runs quite often. That that yeah. run where like you start off on out wide and you make a curved run inside. Yeah, yeah, you can um, see him. and you, you, and you end up down the middle. Now, yeah. I can see that coming. He's a master of it. And assist with Van Dijk or something like that. Do you not think that he might adapt a little bit and just go right, sit in, sit back, compact, and just try and grind like a, a something out of the game? Or do I think, you think he's the type to be like, no, I'm just gonna. I mean, by the way, I, I must. They do sit back a lot anyway. It's, it, you could be misled looking at the PPDA because they, they, they're in the top 10 in terms of aggressiveness, but in reality, it isn't really that. Um, they certainly don't press high, for example, so I'm just trying to gauge if he's, if he's going to change anything for Liverpool. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if it will... I don't know. They just, they just, he, he can't seem to crack the case against Liverpool, as I said, particularly those last four. Those last four, I mean... Those last four matches, he's 14-0. 14 nil down. That's really bad. <laughs> um, I think that, that I think they're just a team that are a little bit vulnerable against 
fast attacks. Yeah. I think if you're inclined to go from back to front quickly, they struggle basically. Yeah. Hence the Deli Alley goals. Mm. Hence why Liverpool score quite a lot. Um, Salah always scores against them. Mm. Uh, so I think it's going to be a relatively easy match, that one. I mean, you never know, I suppose. And I, I am inclined to think maybe Mane will get a break. Yeah. The the only way I see, and I said it was a banana skin, and I'll just add context to that, not because of, it, it's Bournemouth and they've got a kind of, you know, something up the sleeve that Liverpool can't handle. I just wonder, Merseyside Derby, huge fi- fixture. Salzburg, that we'll talk about in a minute, is now a huge fi- fixture. And then you've got a game in between those two on the on the weekends. And I just wonder whether uh, they could be inclined to maybe just not be at the same performance levels that they, that they can be at. Do, do you understand? Yeah, I do. And, you know, there's, there's certain players that are basically due a rest if we're going to start doing this sort of thing, mm. particularly Mane, Trent is due a rest. And maybe if you take Mane and Trent out, you reintroduce Salah, reintroduce Firmino, maybe give Cater a couple of minutes. Mm. Um, Oxley Chamberlain didn't yeah. play against Everton either. But, you know, the, these predictions over the winter, you say it's going to be a relatively easy match and you say, for example, the major side derby is going to be quite tight. And then Marco Silva goes and just <laughs> a, a kamikaze high line and, yeah. and Klopp makes five changes. So if those sort of thing, if them changes happen before matches, it's going to influence how, how you actually predict the match to go. So if Liverpool yeah. play without Mane, they're going to be a, a less threatening attacking side going yeah. forward, of course. But I still think we'll we'll win relatively comfortably. Um, predictions on that one, Verdict? Yeah, I, I'm going to... I'm not... As confident it'll be, say, a high scoring game, but I do think it'll be a 2 0. I think they'll finally keep a clean sheet because, I mean, if if they can see it against these, then something needs to change. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm going to go with 2 0, Liverpool. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with 2 0 as well, maybe 3, considering, as I said, 14 0 up in the past yeah. four matches and in each time 3 0, 4 0, 3 0, 4 0. So, yeah. Two 0 is probably going a bit easy. <laughs> yeah, as I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they did blow them away, but I just think, again, though, you know, touching on what we touched on earlier this week, bit of game management as well. Liverpool get a couple of early goals. Will they just take the fuss off the, the gas a little bit? Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but we I do fancy the Reds to get, a, to get another win there. Yeah. Quick word on Salzburg then, because mm. um, time is of what's the word? <laughs> essence. Time is of the essence. Yeah. Apparently. Um, I don't know, I'm quite enjoying the show. We, uh, I could stay for another hour or so. <laughs> Maybe not sort of up to dad. We've got that to do next for Dan Lars and Evan. Yeah, true, yeah. Well, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Salzburg, I had a little look at the league form. It's, it's tailed off a little bit recently by their standards, at least. We were obviously talking a couple of months ago about them winning every match, 6 7 nil, and things like that. Mm. Past four league results, 1-1, 2-2, 3-0, 3-0. Um, Are they? But all all wins the three nil three nils of victories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, but you know you'd expect them to not draw ever basically in that in that league, mm. considering the standard that they're playing at. Um, so hopefully that's you know a benefit for us that they've that they've tailed off a tad in the league. But I am inclined to think that's maybe due to 
the focus on the Champions League. Yeah, the I teams think teams tend to do that, don't they? Yeah, lack of competition, really. You know, it's easy to just get a bit complacent. You're waiting for that big game. Yeah, I did have a look at the, uh, the Champions League home fixtures. Um, do you know the XG um, was 2.28 against Napoli? Napoli's was 0.61. And Napoli won 3-2. Did he? Yeah. Which, and then the, the XG the against Genk was 4.15. So... You know, they, they cr- create high-quality chances against good European sides. Certainly in Napoli's case, anyway. I'm not, not sure about Genk, but... Yeah, well, I, I had a look at their home record this season mm. in terms of uh, what they create in that, and it's, it's insane, really. Yeah. I, I had a look at their home record in the Champions League and in the Austrian Bundesliga. So they're, they're averaging 4.4 goals per match. <laughs> And that's inclusive that's average, of the Champions League. Yeah, that's yeah. including the Champions League, yeah. Uh, compared to 1.5 goals conceded. Um, and the, ex- the expected goals isn't far off that. They're expected to score 3.4 goals per match while facing 0.98. Um, and the average 23 shots compared to 7 faced. So they're absolutely dominant at home. Obviously those numbers will be more inclined to come together a bit more against the team like Liverpool. You're not going to dominate Liverpool mm. to that extent, but it's still a team that I clearly... I'm smiling here. ...really strong at home. I can just... I wonder whether the best the best way to approach this game is just go toe-to-toe. Because I, I think Liverpool... And you said this before the first game. They just do everything a little bit better because obviously they're a better side all around. But it could be like another 4-3 in Liverpool's favour. Yeah, I think I, I am right in saying Liverpool only needs a draw. So, you know, I, we maybe have to go for it less, but that's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, when you, when I, you do all that. I wouldn't go there and try and, like, try and play for the, a draw. Or, uh, no. I'd, I'd just I'd just play play that game, you know, go Klopp's kind of 2018-esque and just go for it. Yeah, but th- this Salzburg team are, are going to go for it. You know, yeah. you know what this Salzburg team are like? They have a chance here to knock out the European champions and progress into the knockout stages of the Champions League. They are going to give it everything. Uh, yeah. It is going to be a tough match, yeah, without doubt. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally. Do you know, I mean, the only thing I don't know if this is—it's probably down to clinical forwards, but to concede three goals off an XG of like point six is a little bit alarming from a Salzburg point of view, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to see them goals. Maybe they've got a. Blow yeah. over the goalkeeper or something because obviously yeah. you can see the four against us, but yeah, exactly. Genk even scored two, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, mm. maybe that's worth looking into. Yeah. Um, that can be a piece next week, maybe. <laughs> for yeah, you, for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be, I hope it's not, but it's gonna, I think it's gonna be a bit of a mad one. Mm. I, I think in the past, I'd have maybe been a bit more concerned, but considering Liverpool are the European champions, you'd like to think that would be able to hold our own. Mm manage ourselves to it yeah. and just have a degree of authority about about like the chaos that's probably going to materialise yeah mm. uh, verdict um, I'm going to go I'm going to go for a three all three all yeah I imagine Liverpool will still be still be I, I imagine Liverpool's going to go 3-1 up and then maybe they just score a couple of late goals but won't be enough uh, I've got no idea personally of what this <laughs> is going to end up. Uh, you can't cop out on me now after I've <laughs> in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe two all. 
two one Liverpool. Maybe I'm not sure, uh, but hopefully we'll get through anyway. Hopefully it won't be too mad. Uh, so we'll be back next week to talk about maybe a little bit about Bournemouth, a little bit about Salzburg. Hopefully we get through, and we'll look ahead to Watford, and maybe a look ahead to the Club World Cup as well, depending on when it is. I have to check the dates on that. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we'll work that one out in the meantime anyway. But thanks for joining us, Dave. Yeah, cheers, mate. And thanks for tuning in. See you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.